0: Hello and welcome to the European Hoops podcast. We are a Sports Ito's presentation. We bring you all the coverage you need of the EuroLeague. We recap and preview all the action and cover all the news surrounding the competition. Join us on this ride and learn more about some of the best basketball played in the world. Make sure you don't miss any episodes by subscribing to the podcast and follow us on Twitter at Itos EuroLeague. Seven games left on this EuroLeague season, Duke. Are you ready to recap how we got here and preview what to expect from the three game five left that will decide who are the teams that will play the final four?
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. This season has been amazing uh, from start to finish and hopefully these Game 5s will will live up to our expectations, man. But let's get to it. I'm ready.
0: Let's start this episode with an announcement regarding the off-season, our off-season, not the early off-season. <laughs> we will bring you an episode next week previewing the Final Four and recapping the three Games 5 that uh, we are about to have on this on this week. Then we will bring you an episode recapping the the Final Four right uh, after it happens, followed by an an episode a week during the off-season where we will recap the seasons of each of the 18 teams until the World Cup and then we will be covering the World Cup for you guys. Let's uh, waste no time and move to Kaunas where the Final Four will happen, where all the teams Want to end this edition of the EuroLeague, and where we saw a Hartford game. Barcelona won against Zalgiris 77 66 to advance to the EuroLeague Final Four. The arena was vibrant and loud, as it always is in Canis, as Zalgiris tried to come back from a 2-0 disadvantage in the series. Barcelona's defensive discipline and effort was too much for Zalgiris to overcome on a game where Barcelona was led by Saturansky and Vesely. Barcelona started the game taking advantage of the considerable size mismatch Looking for Veselin's inside, mostly, they had Zalgiris to only one field goal in um, 7 minutes and 30 seconds played in the first quarter, disrupting Zalgiris' offense that uh, was trying to attack the paint. However, Zalgiris came back from a 10-point deficit in the first quarter to go into the second one, down only 3 points, 10-13, with uh, at uh, 3 from Abrinis in the third quarter, Barcelona got a 9-point lead, 41-50, with 13 minutes left to play in the game. From there, Barcelona never looked back, stealing the, the deal against the valiant uh, Zalgiris. Vesely was the MVP of the game, with 14 points, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, 3 steals, while the captain Edgar Azulanovas was the best for the, the home team on this uh, last game of the season. In the end, it ended up being a short series, even if some put up some fight on games two and three. Barcelona were heavy favorites heading into this series, and uh, we both had them as the top contenders. You got right the, in how many games they would win. Um, and we have them as we both ranked them in first as the, the favorites to, to win the, this edition of the EuroLeague. Do you think that they showed enough on this series? What concerns you have for them heading into this final four? And what breakdown you make of the this game 3 in Cáuñas? Well, uh, first of all,
1: uh, congratulations to Barcelona for moving on to the to the Final Four. And congrats to Zalgiris on a hell of a season. Even losing their best player midway through the season due to the injury, they still put up a great fight and were still able to make the playoffs. And those fans deserved it, so shout out to them. My concern for Barcelona going into the Final Four, I think it's just the when the rotations start, uh, I think you see a big difference like when sataransky is off the floor and i think that's the biggest concern i have for them other than that like to me i agree with you like you said they are the favorites uh, in both of our opinions and i have i pick them to win the euroleague this year uh, i think you you could agree with me that, that they should be the favorites so but yeah but my concern is the the rotations like having Sadaransky off the floor i think they struggle a bit moving the ball around so we'll see how they, how they deal with that. But about this series and this game, the shooting aspect just made too much of a difference in this series. Uh, Barcelona hit 35 threes in the series and Zalgiris hit 14. So that, that's such a big gap to, to make up for that it was just going to be so hard for Zalgiris to beat Barcelona here. The way they've been playing, the, the depth they have, the shooting ability they have, and then they're always going to have the best player on the floor and Mirotić. And even if Mirotić is on the bench, you can have Sateranski. So they just have so many options. And that's why I picked them to win. They they have the depth. They have the, the star power. I, I just think they are the best team overall. And the, we'll see what they do in the final four.
0: That's exactly what I had here on my notes. Barcelona struggled to move the ball with their second unit. Like we saw many times units of Jakubaitis, uh, Kyle Kuric, uh, Kalinic... Chanley and uh, Tolby playing all together and uh, they do lack some creation on those lineups and they do struggle and the ball tends to...
1: Offensively, that's a, that's a tough lineup to have.
0: Yeah, and uh, the ball tends to end up sticking on Jakubaitis' hands. Many times we saw, we were commenting on that and we saw Sarunas saying that on a timeout to, to Jakubaitis. And that has been the moments in the games where we saw Barcelona more vulnerable and we see Barcelona uh, allowing runs from the other teams. And that's something that they will need to address. Maybe they will need to to stagger better uh, the players of their starting lineup. Maybe they will need to extend the run of uh, some of their best players. The truth is that this end up being an easy series. In a way, it was predictable, even if they had to fight hard for games two and three. And uh, I think that um, that's something that Barcelona will be able to do it by simply keeping their best players on the, the court for a lo- longer and extended period of time. By the way, d-
1: do you think uh, we could see some La Provitola point guard minutes in the Final Four? I
0: I don't think so, because I don't think we will see Jacobaitis out of the, the rotation at all, like uh, completely. So I, I think that we will see more lineups where we will have two of those three guards always on the floor. Because when uh, uh, Corey Higgins is uh, available, usually it's him on that second unit instead of uh, Goric. And uh, I think that's uh, what we will be starting to see. And I think that will be my approach if I was coaching Barcelona, is that uh, I will always have two of those three guards in the floor. Satoratsky... La Provitola and uh, Jakubaitis and of course have heavier minutes for the, the two starters here. I, I don't expect to have just La Provitola minutes uh, on the final four. Do, do you
1: disagree? Do you think it will happen? I don't think it will happen but I, I think if I was the coach I think I, I would try it because uh, he, he's been there before playing point guard minutes in those type of moments and I think for what Barcelona needs when they get into rotations uh, I think he could provide uh, a better. I think he could be a better option at the point guard than Jakubaitis, just for the fact that he's a better shooter. He, he is a better drive driving to the basket. So I think it would be better for them, because I think the ball would move more, and I think there will be more overall movement uh, on the court when Saransky goes to the bench. But but I agree with you. I don't think it will happen. It's just something that I would try it.
0: I think I would prefer or I see Barcelona maybe. Taking laprovit a bit uh, earlier from the game and uh, putting and uh, having he against playing with the starters, and uh, then having Laprovito playing alongside Yakubaitis on the second unit, and with that allow more uh, a lineup with more creation and not having Yakubaitis uh, having to to take all the decisions in the, the second unit, because even uh, using Yakubaitis alongside Satoransky tends to be slightly redundant. I don't see a big advantage there. So I think maybe we'll see something like that, but I doubt we will have extended periods where we will have just lap of it But this ended up being an easy series for Barcelona. They are the first team qualifying for the the final four. And they are the only team not needing a game five. So congratulations for them, as you said very well. But also congratulations for Zagiris and I'm looking forward for Zalgiris next season we will review their next season during the off season. but uh, they already renewed with uh, Evans their MVP or the MVP candidate that was playing for them so well in the beginning of the season so the Zalgiris fans has something to look for in the in the next edition of the EuroLeague. From a sweep let's move on to three highly competitive series that are all going to game five let's start in Tel Aviv. In Game 3, Monaco came away with a hard-fought 8378 road win, taking a 2-1 series lead. Monaco dominated the first half behind an impressive performance from Mike James, who finished with 21 points and was named the MVP of the game. Monaco's game plan of attacking the basket kept them in control throughout the game, while Maccabi struggled to find their offensive rhythm, going just 6 from 24 from behind the arc. Despite a small run by Maccabi to start the, the second half, Monaco was able to keep their lead thanks to their strong defensive performance and ability to score from the free throw line. Maccabi late push, including two late three-pointers, was not enough to overcome Monaco's game plan for this game three. And the visitors left with a crucial and for me decisive victory, reclaiming home court advantage on the on this series between Monaco and Maccabi. On the second game, on game four, we had a very different story. Maccabi won 10469. Maccabi's backcourt of Lorenzo Brown and Wade Baldwin IV were, as they usually are, the star performances, with uh, with Brown being named the MVP of the game, and Maccabi was able to force Game 5 with uh, this win. Monaco led 24-17 at the end of the the first quarter, but uh, Maccabi responded with uh, a 13-12 second quarter, including a 20-0 run with five straight threes to take a commanding 47-36 halftime lead. Maccabi maintained their dominance in the second half, outscoring Monaco 57-33 to still doing With the series now tied 2-2, what recap do you make of these uh, two games that we saw in Tel Aviv? Well, first of
1: all, I just want to say this is guard play at its peak. You know you know how I love uh, those teams with uh, a lot of guards and uh, the skill level that they have. And We, we predicted this uh, before the series started and it, it's living up to it for sure uh, starting off with game 3 uh, when I was watching the the players intro and I saw how Maccabi fans were uh, prepared for that game I was like yeah there's no way Monaco is winning this game but, but then uh, Mike James he started off so aggressive and he scoring the ball he, he immediately made me regret thinking that because he was so good and then Jordan Lloyd and Okobo helped him out they, they had pretty solid games and then John Brown everybody contributed and I think Monaco one of their biggest problems was that a lot of times there were not there was not enough help for those guards and uh, I enjoyed the, the way they played game 3 I think they were very good and it, we know it's not easy winning in Tel Aviv especially in the playoffs because Maccabi is one of the best home teams in the competition so it was a great win by Monaco they played very well and Mike James led the way so they did the unthinkable because we both thought that maccabi would win both home games so shout out to Monaco because they they really did a good job preparing for that game three and and winning that one but then what an answer from maccabi in game four to win by 35 points i mean that has to give them such a confidence boost for game five on the road uh lorenzo and Wade they they keep showing why they are the best backcourt in the competition Uh, i don't think there's any doubts about it now Uh, and they keep performing at such a high level Uh, I think Maccabi will need everything they can have from them too in order for them to win game 5 but uh, bring it on man I I think it's going to be a hell of a game and I'm ready for it for
0: sure yeah it for sure will be a hell of a game and Um, it was uh, it was almost as if Mike James listened to our last broadcast because the team needed him to step up and he will always contribute because he's one of the best players of, if not the best player in the League. But he really stepped up big time and he detected the pace early in the game. Then Mahavi was able to, to change the their defensive strategy on him on the second half and contain him a little bit. But he had already done his damage and put his team in a position yeah, he, to, he to come up with this win. Yeah.
1: He set the tone for the rest of the guys and then it was easier for them to, to follow along the rest of the game. So... Even when they adjusted the defense on him, uh, I think Monaco's guys were were prepared already. So great job by Mike. Sure.
0: Absolutely, this is a Mike James win. Of course, it's a team win, but uh, he had a big contribution for this one. And I think this might uh, change the series or might dictate the winner of the series. But let's take a moment to, you know, on a night where Maccabi Hall of Fame uh was inducted david blatt the former nba and EuroLeague coach maccabi team also show that uh, they show up for that night it was a very special night we had a lot of special moments around david blatt and he's he's a legend he's one of the great ones ever doing it on the EuroLeague, Absolutely. and it was well deserved and it was a very beautiful moment but uh, let's focus now on what we expect to see on the this series for me, if Monarch wins Game 5 and and I expect them to win Game 5 at home, like, uh, for me, the this Game 3 was the key because I expected Maccabi to come into the series in a better momentum. I... I expected them to be able to steal a game in Monaco and that's and I, I expected them to dominate on their own home court. So the fact that Monaco was able to steal one game in Tel Aviv that will be for me the key for them to win this series and I, I favor them on the game five, despite I had picks Maccabi in the beginning to, to win this series. I see Monaco's favourites to, to win this, this Game 5 and uh, that will be an historical win because if they they win this Game 5 on Thursday at home, they will reach their first EuroLeague Final, uh, Final Four, and uh, I expect them, them to do so. I expect this game to be highly competitive and for Maccabi not to go down without putting up a fight, but I think that uh, Monaco showed the ability to challenge Maccabi with an aggressive def- defence. And uh, going into the, their three-guard lineups with Okobo, uh, Lloyds and Mike James. The answer from Maccabi has been to go for a three-guard li- lineup of themselves, of their own. And uh, Monaco has been having the advantage on those situations. And I expect to see a lot of that on this Game 5. And I want to see if Coach Katach can come up with a, a solution. He did some tweaks on their starting lineup. Going to Poitras at center on the, the beginning of this Game 4. And it did work to a point for them. They, they lost the, the first quarter, but the extra mobility and r- aggressivity that, that allowed them, it did work to a point for, for Maccabi. So we had great games in Tel Aviv and uh, this has been a great series as we expected. What are for, for you the, the keys for both teams and uh, to win this Game 5 and what do you expect from this Game 5 specifically?
1: Yeah, I think... For Monaco, uh, the key is again, uh, like we predicted for game three, games three and four. Uh, I think the guards have to be aggressive from the start. We know Mike James is going to show up. He, it's a it's a decisive game, and we know what he does on those moments. And I, again, I think Jordan Lloyd and Elio Gobo have to to follow him and and stay aggressive as well. But they got to set the tone for the rest of the guys because that will open up so much space. For, for the bigs, for the wings, because their ability to drive, to shoot, I think it's going to open so much stuff for them. So I think that's the, the biggest key. And, and then their ability to, to contain uh, Lorenzo and Wade. And for Maccabi, I think it's the same thing the other way around. I think those guards, uh, those two guys have to set the tone for them. They have to be aggressive on the open court every time they get stops. And I think uh, Di Bartolomeu is going to be the the biggest key here for them because I think he's going to be the one guarding Mike James. And he's a very good defender for the guard position. So we'll see what he can do on that matchup. Uh, And then the the bigs from Maccabi have to be able to to win the battle with Montiaunes and uh, Dante Hall because Montiaunes has been having some success in the post in this matchup. And we know Nebo is more of a, a lob threat, but uh, with Poitras and Cohen, they, they have to be good. And Sorkin coming off the bench, they, they have to be good enough to where they don't lose those battles, because I think that's going to be a big key for Maccabi. They got to win the rebounding battle, because on the road, uh, Monaco is going to be motivated. They're going to have their fans there. So I think it's going to be a very exciting game, but uh, I'm going to take Monaco. I, I have I had Monaco in five uh, to start off this series, but uh, my. I thought there was going to be like every home game, the yeah. home team is going to win. but And that didn't happen. But we get to the same place here with uh, Game 5 in Monaco's home. So I think Monaco is going to get the win. But I think it's going to be an amazing game, for sure. Yeah,
0: absolutely an amazing game. And the things I wonder is if Maccabi would risk to go even smaller to play some Bonesy at the 4. I think they can get away with it. Play with the three guards, play Bonesy Colson at the 4. And then one of the bigs. Not for the whole game, obviously, but for moments of the game. I think they can get away with it against Monaco and that will give them extra firepower. Honestly, While I, Honestly, I think that would benefit Monaco more. Why is uh, that? Because if they can go with the three guards,
1: uh, Alpha Diallo and uh, John Brown, I think I just think they, they have a better lineup than Maccabi. And those three guards, honestly, are the big difference maker because there's three of them, it's only two in Maccabi. Uh, and, and I don't think Maccabi is going to be able to stop them, obviously. Nobody's going to stop anybody in a series like this. But uh, I think Maccabi can do a better job uh, guarding. uh, uh, Sorry, I think Monaco can do a better job guarding Maccabi than the other other way around because of Alfa Diallo and John Brown, especially.
0: But uh, that's exactly why. Because we have seen those three guard lineups from Monaco, and they are having that advantage during this series when they play with three guard lineups because usually. Maccabi goes to a lineup with a De Bartolomeo, with a Baldwin and with a Brown against the, those three guards of Monaco. And they have been uh, having the advantage and uh, Monaco has been winning those, those those parts of the game, those spans of the game, where they are going for three guard lineups on both sides. I just wonder if adding Bonzi at the four will not allow um, Maccabi to, to have even more firepower on offense and even more solutions because... I expect this, and it can sound like a contradiction because these are two high-scoring teams. This will be a hard game to score. Like, both teams will play with a lot of intensity, both teams will be extremely physical. And I think that the team that will be able to, to take advantage of their transition and will be able to find some easy baskets will have some advantage here. So it will be an interesting juggling act by Maccabi's coach to see what he will prioritize between scoring and between rebounding and um, to find the perfect balance to be able to steal a second game in Monaco. What I think it will be a very hard task for Maccabi to do. Because I, I think that uh, Monaco are favorite scent. Uh, that they won't lose this chance to go for the first time to the final four of the EuroLeague. It will be a, a great game to tune in for sure. And um, this uh, edition of the EuroLeague is filled with a very and highly competitive series. And from a series where the teams split home and road wins. Let's move on to a series where we only saw road wins so far. And let's see if this trend continues the series between Partizan and Real Madrid. In Game 3, Real emerged victorious with a final score of 80-82. The game started with a strong performance from Partizan, taking an early 12-0 lead and scoring 32 points in the the first quarter, while playing with a great intensity on defense. However, Real Madrid fought back hard, and uh, throughout the impressive performance of Walter Tavares and Nigel Williams-Goss, they were able to cut the leads down to only three points at halftime. In the second half, Real took the lead from the, the first time in the, the third quarter, and despite partisan energy in the, the fourth, they maintained their lead with a, a huge offensive rebound from Tavares, followed by a step back three from Williams goes to take a three-point lead. Partisan missed a crucial three-pointer, and the two free throws from Mario Azonia sealed the, the, this win for Real Madrid. Tavares was the MVP of this game, scoring 26 points, grabbing 11 rebounds and having 3 blocks, while partisan Zach Ladey had an impressive uh, performance. Partizan's great start was led by the Israeli guard Madal, who had 10 points, 3 rebounds, 1 assist and 1 steal in the first quarter, but they could not maintain their early momentum despite the strong effort that they put on the second half. In Game 4, Real managed to tie the series against Partizan with a score of 78-85. Walter Tavares was again the MVP of the game, contributing with 15 points, 7 rebounds and 2 steals and, and adding even 2 blocks to it. The top performance included Zana Musa with 14 points 8 rebounds 3 and 3 assists, while Zach Lede was again the best for Partizan with 25 points, 3 rebounds and 1 steal. Ladej really stepped up for the home team on these two games in the absence of other team stars. The game started with Real Madrid having a dominant start, but Partizan was able to Fight back! Although a partisan two-still sequence late on the game brought the game down to to only two points with near one minute to play, an offensive rebound by Tavares followed by a two-and-one play was decisive to to put this game away and to give this uh, victory for the Real Madrid. Real Madrid made a bright start on the game, bright start on the game, and looked uh, more confident on this game, while partisans struggled on the offense, especially early on this has been an insane series so far for for both the best and the worst reasons but let's focus on the on the good side on how competitive the series has been and in game five uh, we can only be sure of one thing history will be made either real will become the first team coming from a 0-2 deficit on the playoff series or partisan will become the first team winning game five on the road and uh, I am sticking with the latter. Uh, It would have been impossible to predict how this series evolved, but uh, I trusted Partizan to win the Game 5 on the road, and uh, I still do. Both teams lost important players for injury in Avramovic for Partizan and uh, Dijk for the Real Madrid and while avramovic is an important piece for partizan i think that the absence of dike on the on a team without due to suspension after his act of violence on game 2 will give partizan an advantage for this game and more importantly they have Panther back and uh, they have really missed his uh, his firepower duke what did you saw happening on the, on these two games in uh, in belgrade and what we expect to see on this series moving forward
1: well the The biggest thing for me uh, was the impact from Walter Tavares. I mean, obviously, Game 1, he he got hurt and didn't play Game 2. And then coming back for Games 3 and 4, I mean, his impact was shown. He was the MVP in the game. I mean, he just showed why he's their most important player. Because on both sides, like, he's such a great defender. And then offensively, they they don't have anybody to, to match up with him. So his impact was the... The thing that that stood out the most for me for sure. Uh, then obviously Real getting both those wins, we know how hard it is to to win a game in Belgrade and for them to win both, it, it's just credit to them and their their roster. They they did a very good job but this is where I, I'm mad because the, I, I really think those suspensions uh, hurt Partizan uh, with punter uh, not being able to play either of those two games and that's why I think that for game five, I think Puger's gonna come out looking for the ven- uh, because he's to me, he he has he had been the the best player in this series, the first two games. And uh, being out those two games in Belgrade and watching his team lose, uh, I think he's gonna he's gonna put it on his back so to, to like he's not gonna let them lose. That, that's what I feel is gonna happen. I picked Real Madrid in, in four games. Uh, obviously, that that can happen now, but uh, they can still win in five. So I'm gonna stick with Real Madrid just, just because I don't want to switch up uh, my winner prediction. But I I just had a, a I just have a feeling that Punter is not gonna let Partizan lose, and then and they have coach Obradovic. So I'm very curious to see uh, what he has up his sleeve. And I think this is gonna be the the most anticipated game five in these playoffs. And with all the stuff that happened, I mean. The punter game winner, the, the brawl, the injuries, the suspensions. Uh, I think there's so much stories to to this series that I gotta. I can't wait to, to see this game. And I think it's going to be so exciting. And uh, we'll see what happens, man. But one thing's for sure is you can never count a right of each out. So let's see what happens.
0: Besides Real Madrid really missing Yabusele and deck that I think will be impactful. Because I think that Partizan will have a very real advantage with Lede and... With their front court on this game, except for Walter Tavares, because he has been a monster on this series. But I think it will be significant that those two players are missing. In the two games that Partizan played this season without Panther, they averaged 79 points per game. And in the four games that they played with Panter, they averaged 96 points per game. Games against Real Madrid, of course, with Panther averaging 18 points per game on the, the these four games they played against Real Madrid this season. He has shown to be one of the keys for Partizan to be able to, to spread the floor and contradict Walter Tavares' dominance on the, on the inside. And for me, those two, two factors, the factors that Real Madrid will be missing, those two important forwards... And uh, the fact that Panther will be available, I think it does give the tools for Coach Abradovic to come up with a strategy that will allow them to, to win this game five in Madrid and to move on onto the final four and to, to make st- uh, history as the the first team ever winning a game yeah. five on the road. And it's just another page in the history book of Coach Abradovic. Yeah,
1: J- just one thing though, uh, and Real has to feel good about this, is that uh, Musa still hasn't had a, a good game this series. So, Game 5 could be his opportunity to, to show up and I think he will. So, we'll see what happens, but I think Musa and Punter are, are going to put on a show in Game 5.
0: It will be a, it will be an interesting game for sure and uh, the ability of Partizan to present some defensive solutions it hasn't been their strong suit so this season. Will be important on a decisive game like this one. So let's see what they can come up with. And we for sure trust their coach to, to do so. It will be it will be a very good game and it will be a must-watch game. Because emotions will be running high and uh, the performance will be elite for sure. And if Maccabi and Monaco, Partizan and uh, Real Madrid are amazing series. The series between Fenerbahce and Olympiacos is right there with them for sure. In a thrilling Euroleague game, playoffs Game 3, Olympiakos beaten Fenerbahcev 72-71 70 in Istanbul, taking a 2-1 two one, two one series lead and recovering home court advantage. The game saw many lead changes and uh, exciting plays from both teams. Olympiakos Kostas Lukas was named the MVP of the game with 25 points for rebounds and 6 assists. In the second quarter, Fenerbahcev had an 11-point lead, but Olympiakos, made the defensive adjustments and went on a 14-2 run to take a three-point lead at halftime. Fenerbahce was able to take the, the lead in the third quarter, but Olympiacos, came back in the fourth with a 30 0 run to take a 4-point lead with 3 minutes and 26 seconds to play. Fenerbahce fought back and had a 3-point lead with 1 minute and 43 to play after back-to-back 3-pointers of Tyler Dorsey and Nikolatis. However, a big 3-pointer from Olympiakos Sashev zenkov tied the game 69. at 69 with 48 seconds left. Slokas then hit the game-winning shot at the buzzer, giving Olympiacos the win. On Game 4 was Fenerbahce turned to punch back and win the game 73-69. Tyler Dorsey was named MVP with 16 points, 3 rebounds, 2 assists. He has been a dynamo on Fenerbahce offense on the absence of Wibokin that uh, was available for this game but didn't play. And Coach uh, is in the end of the game hinted that uh, he was just uh, suited up because uh, they needed to have 12 players available. I don't know to what point we will see We'll on this series, or maybe even on the, the rest of the season of the, the EuroLeague, but uh, he was available to play, technically at least. De pierre scored 17 points while uh, Shaquille Makinski led Olympiacos with 20 points and 5 rebounds. And in the end of the game we had a uh, an <laughs> interesting interaction of between him and brazocus Bakitsky wanted to be him shooting the ball out of timeout to try to get the team back in the game and bratzocus had another plan and they had a small a small conversation during the the timeout on the bench fenerbache defense limited the visitors to only seven of 25 uh, shots from long range leading uh, them to to this victory. Before the start of the game, the coaches spoke about the importance of focus and concentration in these uh, do-or-die elimination games, and this was one for Fenerbahce. The starting fives of both teams has have remained unchanged for for game from game three to game four. The coaches seem to have settled in a strategy at this moment. The first quarter was evenly evenly matched, with uh, neither team leading by more than five points. Fenerbahce was comfortable with letting Dorsey go one-on-one against Lucas or Orkannan, and uh, Olympiacos have been struggling to find solutions to to slow down Dorsey on these games. The The game continued to be a back-and-forth battle until the, the final moments, with Fenerbahce ultimately securing the, this win. the This victory forced uh, Game 5 in the series, making it the third series to, to go and to be decided on the fifth game. Duke, what about these two games in Istanbul? How good were they? Man, listen, you know I'm a
1: a fan of high-scoring games and guards and everything. But one thing about this series, man, it's going to be high-level intensity and the defense is going to be on point. And and I'm loving every single game of this series because we keep having these low-scoring games, which I usually hate. But it has been so good. Uh, You can see the the strategy from both sides, the, the coaching importance in this series. How each team is trying to impose their system and their style. I mean, game three was, was very good. Slukas had the heroic game three against his former team, eating the game winning Buzzer Beater three, silencing the crowd. I mean, that was just awesome to watch. He he is one of the clutchest players in EuroLeague history. And then on game four, Panerjob did such an amazing uh, did such an amazing job defensively, holding Vezinov to just two points. And that pretty much summed it up because Nigel Hayes Davis he, he played such great defense, and the rest of the guys as well. And then those two wings, Nigel Hayes-Davis and Deshaun Pierre, they keep performing at such a high level like they did all season. Playing high, high minutes and performing just like uh, E2D's from them. That's why he gives them so much minutes and so much confidence because they keep they keep proving that they deserve it. Uh, in the fourth quarter, uh, Deshaun Pierre had three threes straight from the same spot. And that happened because the ball went inside. It's a motley, I think. And Olympiakos' defense, they they were so close, and I think they were trying to overhelp. So Pierre had three wide-open threes, and he he made all of them. So credit to him, for sure. And they're not using Nigel hayes Davis, and Pierre in the post as much in this series, like they did all all year, but they they still find a way to to be effective and to make winning plays. So shout-out to them. I I had Fenerbahce in four, so that can't happen, but I'm going to stick to Fenerbahce. In five now, even though it is almost impossible to go to to Greece and to win a game five with those Olympiakos fans in an environment like that, I think it's gonna be such a good game. I think Itoori is gonna have his team prepared for that moment. And man, game five it is, man! I, I can't wait.
0: Yeah. Let me start by saying that uh, I am sticking with my pick and I expect Olympiakos to win Game 5. But uh, this Game 5 will be a fascinating tactical battle and uh, we have a lot to go over here. First, Nigel Hayes-Davis versus Sasha Zankov. The regular season MVP is having a hell of a challenge on this series. He has even shown some frustration a few times during the series. On Game 3, he was able to step up later on the game. And uh, his team will need him to to show up to to this Game 5. And I wonder what can coach Bratsokas do to unleash him for this Game 5. That's something that we will need to keep an eye on. Secondly, the closing lineups. These teams have proven that uh, they will be close to each other in crunch time. So the way the, the teams will close will be key. Dorsey, Goodrich, Pierre, Nigel and Motley have been working very well for Fenerbahce during this series. And uh, it is on Olympiakos' side that I expect some adjustments to come from. That We already saw that happening on this uh, this last game. Dorsey has been able to attack Slocus cannon on Mekinski at will. So they will certainly need to have walk-up on him. Goodrich has uh, shown that uh, he's a proven player in crunch time. And he's one of the best doing it for Fenerbahce. He has been performing at a very high level in crunch time all season long. And it's likely that he will be there for them. But the, the biggest key has been Fenerbahce's size, on, especially on the wings, with uh, Montley being uh, unselfish enough to, to be able to share the ball and showing the this ability to pass the ball and finding open men. That uh, has given uh, Fenerbahce some open looks from three and therefore is looking for size mismatches on uh, Pierre or Nigel, whoever is being defended many times by, by a third guard that the Olympiacos has on the floor. Can Olympiakos go smaller and uh, be more switchable with uh, playing some slash at the 5? I doubt that. I think Motley will have to be of an advantage offensively there. And I don't think that um, Olympiakos will have enough rim protection there. I think that that might be hard with Fenerbahce being comfortable to attack with Zankov. Every time that uh, they are switching Zankov to one of their guards, they have been attacking him and they have been quite successful at doing so. But for me, these decisions will be, will be key because we saw on these last games uh, coach Bratokas going to um, Apani at times and uh, deciding between having McKinski or Slokas on the floor. We haven't seen them going to Canada to close the, the game so far. But uh, they need some size to try to contradict uh, the the issues that uh, Fenerbahce have been able to to give them offensively. They have been very comfortable against uh, Olympiacos during the, this series offensively to to close the games. So, what adjustments do you think Olympiacos can do to make this uh, to make to give them a bigger advantage to to close this game most more than anything else? I think,
1: honestly, I think Bartzouk is, is is gonna <coughs> sorry. Honestly, uh, I think Barzokus is gonna is gonna roll with, with what they've been doing all year. Uh, I think they, they could adjust a few things, I mean, especially the the size aspect because fall has been playing very well. Uh, don't get me wrong, but maybe to, to match up better with Fanbachce, maybe some Vesinkov or Peters at the five uh, could be an option. but uh, I think motley, like you said, uh, I think that would be too so much of an advantage. But I think they're going to they're gonna go with, with what they've been doing all year, honestly. Uh, it worked for them all year. I don't think they're going to change it. Uh, Fenerbahce did make some adjustments coming into this series. And I think they have been the team adjusting more than Olympiakos. But uh, I expect a, a very good game coaching-wise. Not necessarily uh, changing the starting lineup or the rotations. But like in terms of defensive stuff, like how to guard the pick and roll how To guard the, when the ball's inside, I think stuff like that we can see some changes because uh, Fenerbahce has been exploring it with the with the ball in the post. They they've been having the weak side completely open, so I, I expect Bartuzkas to to fix that. But uh, I just think it's going to be such a, a high level game defensively, and I would be ready to see a, a very low scoring game. So we'll see what happens, but. Uh, I agree with you that Olympiakos should obviously be the favorites for this game. but I think it's going to be so good. And uh, hopefully Fenerbahce can get the the upset so that I can get my big correct. <laughs> but no, but I think it's going to be a great game for sure.
0: I wonder if Wubikin can, can apply and give them some extra offense during during the game. Maybe not to close it coming out of injury, but uh, that will probably add a layer of uh, firepower to Fenerbahce that can help them to to upset Olympiacos at home. I think on the front court, Olympiacos probably will go to Black and um, to Zankov. I expect them to to use uh, Papa Nikolaou as they were doing on the, this last game, and uh, I just wonder how the, the fifth option will be alongside Wall on the, the backcourt, if Slokas, if Makiński, or if Canon. They will need one of those three to, to be providing offense for them in the end. That's why in the beginning of the series we were seeing um, Olympiakos to go to a three-guard lineup to, to close games, with uh, Walkup, uh, Makinski and uh, Slocos being the, the most used three-guard lineup for them on the, on this series. But um, they were having a lot of time, a lot of trouble defensively, and I think we won't see as much of that on this game. But the tactical tweaks will for sure be something to monitor on this game and it will be an incredible game and the environment of this game i expect will be probably the best environment of this three series or of these three game fives not the series because the series have been pretty impressive but the home court of Olympiakos i think will be the one that will play the biggest role on the, this game fives and i expect them to, to get this win so i can get my pick right <laughs> Let's uh, wrap up hold on, hold on. before
1: before we wrap we wrap it up. Uh, I just want to shout out uh, and I'm sorry because I don't remember the name of the people who posted of the guys who posted this and I didn't save the tweet. I should have, but I saw someone say, and I I told you this right after the game. Uh, I saw someone say that Nigel Hayes Davis and Deshawn Pierre is what Kawhi Leonard and Paul George were supposed to be. <laughs> and I just thought I just thought that was hilarious. So I'm sorry. I don't remember who posted it, but that was hilarious. And I I had to share it here.
0: (laughs) That is indeed very hilarious. Let's wrap up this episode and let's uh, have a reminder that Game 5 will be happening this week on Wednesday and Thursday. Tune in on Wednesday of next week when we will bring you a full recap of these three Game 5s and we will break down what uh, to expect of the the Final Four. We will bring you a special episode right after the Final Four, recapping the Aldi action. Then we will start on uh, our off-season schedule releasing one episode a week we will bring you the post-season MVP and the top 10 players of this edition of the EuroLeague we will recap the seasons of all 18 teams and we will be covering the World Cup for you guys make sure you come along for this journey subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Twitter at ethos EuroLeague where we bring you any news that break about the competition must watch games injury reports and our daily trades in the end of each day of the competition bringing you all the highlights of the action my name is Andre and I'll